Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Tradies News in a Nutshell. Middle of the week, Wednesday morning. It is the 11th of January, 2023. Daniel Pedgrew with you for the next hour, broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. Of course, anywhere around Australia, around the world, on the app 1300 01 1170, our open line number. That has not changed. You can text 0457 736 736. That's all before James Magnuson and Michael Carianas come along for breakfast in an hour's time here on SEN through both New South Wales and Queensland. A busy show today. Lots of news floating around. Tennis, cricket, a bit more rugby league news starting to come to the surface as well. We'll get in, stuck into that in a second. Maddie Cox, host of Tradies News in a Nutshell in Melbourne, will join me as we do most Wednesdays on the show. We'll have a chat with him in about 15 minutes, talk about what is making issues, what's making issues in both Sydney and Melbourne. And, of course, uh, Melbourne, the centrepiece of sport over the next couple of weeks uh, with the Australian Open getting underway in just a few days' time. So we'll speak to him in about 15 minutes' time. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 the open line 0457 736 736, the text number. Now, uh, plenty of things on the agenda this morning. However, uh, you may have seen that the exhibition match uh, in Melbourne, and we may talk to Maddie about this shortly, between Nick Kyrgios and Novak Djokovic, that is going to be played on Friday night, sold out within 58 minutes. Uh, now, Nick Kyrgios put out a tweet after that, which I'll read in just a second, but it got me thinking on one three hundred oh one eleven seventy or 0457-736-736, your ultimate sporting matchup. Now, it can be one that is realistic, past or present, or it can be one that probably would, well, could never happen. Maybe a team from one era up against a team from another era in NRL, cricket, football, whatever sport. Your ultimate sporting matchup. Would it be Kyrgios, uh, Kyrgios and Djokovic? Maybe. Probably not, uh, although it'll be a very interesting match. Uh, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, 1170 the open line number, or you can text 0457-736-736, your ultimate sporting matchup. Would you like to see a successful rugby league team from one era come up against another successful rugby league team from another era? Maybe two tennis players from different eras. Your ultimate sporting matchup, 0457-736-736 is the text number, or you can call 1300-01-1170. And would you have brought tickets if this match was going to be played in Sydney or uh, Brisbane or Queensland? Would you have brought tickets to watch Nick Kyrgios up against Novak Djokovic? Of course, they did meet in last year's Wimbledon final. We know Djokovic in the end won that in four sets, and there's been a bit of a complicated history between the pair, but they seem to be best friends now. Tickets went for $20 a pop. And as I said, sold out in just 58 minutes in Melbourne yesterday. Now, Nick Kyrgios, uh, as he does, very rarely is he quiet uh, when someone criticises him. Now, a Melbourne media-based man, Luke Dennehy, uh, revealed on Twitter 
that the match had sold out in 58 minutes. Now, upon seeing the tweet, Kyrgios uh, tweeted this. Wow, Nick Kyrgios is bad for the sport. Wow, what a disgrace. A national embarrassment. How dare he sell out another stadium? The arrogance. A sarcastic Kyrgios wrote on Twitter. Uh, all tickets, as I said, priced at $20 with proceeds going to the Australian Tennis Foundation and, of course, the Australian Open itself beginning uh, this Monday, coming Monday, on Monday the 16th of January. So $20, would you have gone? Would you have brought tickets if it was happening either in New South Wales or in Queensland to see Kyrgios and Djokovic? 0457 736 736 1300 01 your and also your ultimate sporting matchup. Which would you, what match would you have loved to have seen it could be realistic it could be one that is just never going to happen 1300 01 1170 0457 736 736 now cricket the test series might be done and dusted here for another year but we know uh, Australia's tour of India is just around the corner and uh, that squad is going to be named a little later on today uh, it looks like Victorian Todd Murphy will join Nathan Lyon as part of the squad. He is said to be named a little later on today alongside Lyon, Ashton Ager and Mitchell Swepson. In uh, well, a lot of spinners there, three spinners, uh, preparing to conquer cricket's biggest challenge and lead Australia to glory in India. Now, in the eyes of the selectors, Murphy is the second best spinner in Australia. We know, of course, and we saw Ashton Ager play in the Sydney Test just finishing up a few days ago, and it was a less than successful test for him not getting any uh, wickets. However, he is still um, regarded by the selectors as the most likely to partner Nathan Lyon. Uh, also looking to come back into the squad will be a Peter Hanscom and Sydney Test comeback kid Matthew Renshaw. Uh, they will be uh, there and the first, uh, first test match getting underway on February 9th. And we'll just have to wait and see how quickly Cameron Green will return. Mitchell Stark is expected to be named in the squad of up to 18 players as he continues to recover from the damage to the middle finger of his bowling hand, but will miss at least the first test and will be racing the clock to be back in time for the second test. Uh, Ager's underwhelming return at the SCG has thrown the race to partner line as Australia's second spinner wide open with the previously unlikely scenario of playing two off-spinners in the same attack, now a realistic opportunity uh, with Murphy uh, screaming in to focus. So it's going to be very interesting to see what this squad is going to be named a little later on. Now the selector is now going to weigh up whether Murphy and Lyon can feature in the same attack. Uh, so it'll be very interesting uh, to see, as I said, that first test beginning on February 9, and we're waiting for that squad to be named a little later on today. Um, would you be taking Todd Murphy? And probably more to the point, does Ashton Ager, now it looks like he'll be named in the squad, but it wasn't a great return to test cricket for Ager in that SCG test. Would he be your second option to Nathan Lyon? Or would you be going with Todd Murphy? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. I saw Marlon on the news last night saying he could chip in for maybe three or four overs, but he won't be able to bowl 10, 11 overs in a row over there in India. What do you reckon? Would it be Todd Murphy or would it be Ashton Agar or maybe Mitchell Swepson? Who would be your second pick? Because we know Nathan Lyon, fully fit, is going to be the number one spin bowler. 
But who would be your second pick? 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Would you give Ashton Ager another chance? Even after the disappointing Sydney test. 1300 01 1170 or 0457 736 736. And just on cricket as well, a bit later on after our chat uh, with Matty Cox, uh, we're going to play some audio from Fox Cricket last night of Glenn Maxwell talking about how he returned from injury. Not entirely sure if he will be named in that squad to go to India a little later on today, but still a remarkable uh, bit of audio. We'll play that for you in about 20 minutes' time from now. Um, and it was interesting. There's uh, some news around the St. George Illawarra Dragons, which we'll get to uh, shortly, but interesting to hear Adam O'Brien on breakfast, the Newcastle Knights coach um, with... Um, James Magnuson and also Michael Carrianis uh, yesterday morning. Basically, and, and look, we've known for a while this is going to happen. Caelan Ponga will be playing 5-8 to start the season. He's been training there for the full off-season, which not many people knew. Uh, it's interesting to see some of the reaction on social media to that interview. We know Caelan Ponga played 5-8 a few years ago, just for a few weeks under Nathan Brown. But it does seem to be the long-term option for the Newcastle Knights. And hearing Adam O'Brien yesterday, he sounded fairly confident. But it'll be interesting. No doubt the Knights need to get Caelan Ponga more involved in the game. We saw what he did in origin uh, for Queensland. Back, fullback, of course, in that third game last year. And really, I know he was hampered by injuries. But he's never shown that form, really, in a consistent manner for the Newcastle Knights. So interesting to see how he goes in that 5'8 position. Uh, do you think he's going to last the season at 5'8 or do you reckon he'll end up back at fullback before the season's out? 1300 01 1170 or 0457 736 736. As I said, there's some news around the Dragons. I'll get to that in a second. Ashton Agar, would he be your second pick for the test matches in England, or, uh, in India, or would you be going for Todd Murphy? 0457 736 736. Or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy, and on the back of Nick Kyrgios and Novak Djokovic selling out in fifty eight minutes, what would be your ultimate sporting matchup? Can be a realistic one or a fantasy one. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Your text in a second, and also we'll go to Melbourne and speak to the host of Tradies News there, Maddie. Cop. Fourteen past five in New South Wales. Fourteen past four in Queensland. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy is our open line number. Let's have a chat with Maddie Cox in Melbourne, the host of Tradies News in Melbourne. And a very good morning to you, Dan. Morning, Manny. Interesting bit of music there. A bit haunting at this yeah. time of the morning, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was more of a nice and easy, smooth yeah, way. Smooth, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, don't mention any of the neighbours <laughs> up the road. Yeah, that's great work from you, Matthew. Thank I like how you've deflected <laughs> early here. Because you, you, for mm. those that are unaware, we do a little briefing during that ad break just to make sure all the technology is working and you've mm. already asked me you're shaking in your boots mm. whether or not I'm going to speak to you about a certain event that took well was supposed to take place last week and we <laughs> only got really got half of you 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 were shaking in your boots just before terrified absolutely <laughs> terrified I presume you're referring to the Sydney test Matty I could be. I'm, could I'm not be, entirely yeah. sure. No, well, we might, <laughs> I might save that. I'll keep keep the uh, okay. 
the ammunition in the holster until the end of the cross, I think, just to make okay. sure we can get through with a, <laughs> a decent conversation. Sounds good. Sound, uh, sounds good. The weird good. things you do at this time of morning. Uh, yes, uh, exactly. Um, well, I think we'll start maybe on a serious note. The Melbourne yes. victory story yesterday, a lot of fines and sanctions handed down to them. Um, it's difficult. So I was overseas when uh, this happened. So that was, and it actually made headline news on uh, the news. And what I thought, and you'd have a bigger impact and you'd know more about this than me, but what I, it concerned me that we had just become off the back of the World Cup. And we spoke about this last week, Manny, such a successful World Cup for the Socceroos. And it was only a week or two later. And then this happened. Well, it wasn't even a week or two later. It was on the eve of the World Cup final. Yes, yeah. That this this took place. It was mm. the same the same weekend. Mm. The fact that and you've just mentioned something there, which I think needs to be brought into perspective when we're having this conversation. Mm. It made headlines where you were in Europe. Yep. That that is the extent of the damage to the reputation of the code mm. that the actions of a certain few mm. had. Mm. And the responsibility, well, that, that's been pointed towards Melbourne victory. Mm. And you can argue, you know, the financial sanction of $550,000, 100 of that um, suspended uh, for the time being, unless something else happens. And there's the, the threat of points and, and all of that. And then there's all the spectators. And I just, I, I'm struggling to grapple with, is that enough? Is it enough considering that we were splashed on news headlines mm. globally mm. on on a weekend where we were supposed to be celebrating the sport? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it, Manny? Uh, look, maybe it needed to be more. And it is, as you said, it's only a select few. The majority of people uh, do the right thing and always do the right thing. But I just I can't underestimate how much and, and look you probably have to understand that and we understand most of our listeners understand that the Socceroos when they're in a World Cup are always going to be the headlight act and it's always going to be different to a week to week A League game but football in this country needs as much positive uh, news as it can get and this the damage that did just so well as you said the weekend of the World Cup final just after the Socceroos had had a wonderful run. Yeah, it was a major impact. And I feel very sorry for the Melbourne Victory fans that have been doing the right thing and are missing out because of this. But I don't know. Maybe more could have been done. And it's it's frustrating for those because they've all been lumped in a, in the same basket when they're referred to, oh, it's Melbourne Victory fans. It's Melbourne. Well, it's not all Melbourne Victory fans. Mm. Mm. But... But the club has a level of responsibility for ensuring that the behaviour at their games does not get to the point of what has unfolded recently. But I dare to suggest that it's happened previously too. There's been some suggestions by other venues and other, um, um, not authorities, other administrators yeah. suggesting that this isn't the first time that an an issue like this has been encountered, not to the extent. Mm. And again, it's it relates to a select few, but the fact that nothing had been done to deter that behaviour mm. and to prevent it to getting to the point that it did, this had to be treated as a line in the sand, regardless of what you thought unfold. It has to be treated as a, a line in the sand because 
if this behaviour happens again, we're a laughing stock. Yep. Yeah. To, uh, to, to, to allow it to happen, we're, we're a laughing stock if it happens again because we, we can come out and bang our chest and say, oh, we've done this, we've imposed this sanction, we've imposed these financial. But if they don't take it seriously and we get another similar sort of incident mm. at, a, at any sporting event, but particularly for the A-League, it's just going to look ridiculous. Now, I was watching 10 News, uh, just before we move on, Maddie, uh, last night, I think it was 10 News, and uh, the reporter said, I think it was the reporter said, that there's now going to be a group to uh, stop flares coming into matches. Well, that should have happened a long time ago. It, should, it really shouldn't be that hard to stop, uh, in this day and age, to stop that sort of stuff entering any sporting match. But in particular, it does seem to happen uh, in football more than any other sport. It really, I, I would have thought that would have been easy to stamp out a long time ago. Yeah, well, we've got security at venues. Increase it mm. if you have to. Invest in it if you have to. If mm. you want to make it a safe environment and to attract people to it. Mm. You're not going to attract new fans or those that are sitting on the edge wondering what to do on a Saturday night if you're going to have uh, scenes like we did in no. December. No. Definitely not. Definitely not. And there's a lot of other more attractive sport around at the moment that people will probably want to go and see away from that. Yes. And in particular, Big Bash. Mm. Now, I've thrown it out there this morning, that yeah. this resurgence in Big Bash. Mm. We've, we've got international players that are performing well. We've, we've got a storyline to come out of a match pretty much every night. Mm. It's almost gone back to what it used to be. We've now got test players returning to the BBL sides. Mm. I just wonder whether there's something in how this summer has been scheduled. I just wonder whether getting all the white ball cricket mm -hmm. done, all the international fixtures done early, I understand we had a World Cup, but allowing the BBL to breathe a bit more around the, the test matches, and now it's the centre of attention when it comes to the cricket landscape before the test side departs to India. I just feel as if there is something in the way that we've scheduled this summer. There's not, it's not been perfect and there's perhaps been too much and perhaps it's gone on too long given we were talking about cricket back in August. But I just feel as if there's something to the way that this summer's been structured. I said to a friend of mine uh, when, uh, the, obviously, we had the T20 World Cup, but obviously uh, having the one day as before the test matches, I, I think having the one day as before the test matches is not a bad idea. Now, I understand you can't do that every year for scheduling reasons, but firstly, I think it actually, and I know there's a lot of debate about one-day internationals being on free-to-air TV and the fact that they're not. But I think, firstly, there's more interest in one-day cricket at the start of the summer, particularly because, and I know this year's a bit different because we've got a lot of cricket over uh, the winter months with uh, the Tour to India next month and, of course, the Ashes. But I think there's more interest in one-day cricket at the start of the cricket season when people were looking to seek out to watch cricket, whereas at the end of a test series, the one-day international do seem to get lost but this is where you're right. This is where the Big Bash, which wraps up probably in what two or three weeks' time, really does take uh, centre of attention. Uh, look, I, I think there's a merit to what you're saying, Maddie. I think the Test matches, obviously, and quite rightly so, uh, are our main focus throughout the majority of the summer. But once that's done, 
I think, yeah, we've got to let the Big Bash breathe and we've got to give them more time. And obviously next year we go down to a condensed season of 43 matches as well compared to this year's 61, which I think will probably help it even more so. But you're right, there has been a massive resurgence compared to where we were 12 months ago with the Big Bash to where we are at now. Well, even entering the season, mm. uh, I was holding concerns about how how entertaining and engaging that it was going to be. So that then brings me, and I've got my tongue a little bit in my cheek here, mm. but I'm, I'm going on the whiteboard. I've got the butcher's paper out. <laughs> so if, if the BVL is taking centre stage right now, early January, mm. do we try and get all the tests completed before <laughs> the new year? And I know I, I am saying that a little tongue-in-cheek given the weather situation in Sydney and the conversation that that sparked, mm. but would there be any merit to that proposal if the international summer was almost concluded with the Boxing Day test? I don't... Th- I know where you're coming from, but I, I, I don't think so. Um, and I think... Look... A lot of debate has happened, not just uh, around Australia, but also here about the Sydney tests and the weather that we seem to get nearly every year when the Sydney test is played. But look, I would say a couple of things to, about the SCG test. It is a tradition. Now, the Boxing Day test is a tradition in Melbourne. The New Year's test is a tradition in Sydney. It has to be said, though, that I remember when I was growing up, Maddie, that the New Year's test, if it didn't actually start on New Year's Day, it would start the day after it started on the 2nd of January, mm. but they seem to be pushing it further and further back over the past few years, which this year is ironic because uh, the two days before the test, if it had started on the 2nd of January, the weather here was beautiful. We'd have oh. almost got a, a full test. Um, really? Really, yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. so mm. look, <laughs> it is a tradition. And also, Matty, I suppose there's been a lot of talk about potentially moving the Sydney test to another point in time, but could you imagine that's just say hypothetically, hypothetically in two years' time, we move it to five days in December, right? And it rains then, but it's fine in Sydney when it was originally, well, where it is usually played. I, I think it's a bit of a lose-lose situation, but I suppose if over the next couple of years the weather keeps doing what it has been doing, that talk will just get well, more and more. I'm going to suggest, Dan, mm. it's not a tradition if you can't play. Well, yes, that is that that, that is that is true. Although we still got three and a half days, and more oh, than half well, the test match. Whoop de doo! <laughs> yeah, I know. Very, very know. exciting for uh, one that we were incredibly looking forward to. Oh, we were talking talking about how the wicket was going to spin, and we saw none of that because it was under a cover the whole time with a sponsorship on it. That's how uh, bad yes, we're getting. I, I, I did see that, and also, also to. Be fair as well. Um, I don't know if Sydney and the SCG and the New South Wales government uh, would want to move uh, the test match or would, let, would want to let go of uh, the test match. Um, well, do we did get a pink test then? Uh, yes. To, to go with the pink test? Yeah. Well, I, I wouldn't be too... I think that probably needs to be looked at for Sydney. The, the criticism from people that know cricket a lot more than I do, they say that with the Sydney wicket, it could be over within two or three days, but at least then we would have more likelihood of a result and maybe not a longer test, but it would be more interesting. And I think what did get frustrating for people last week was not so much the rain. You can't handle, uh, you can't do much about that, but the bad light, um, when we went off for bad light at two or three o'clock in the afternoon, that really does frustrate people. And when you're only getting two or three days for a daytime test, and what what difference would a pink ball make? 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, I just want to throw one other thing at you before I let you go. The Australian Open. Firstly, really, really quickly, before I talk about what I want to talk about, did you buy tickets to see Kyrgios and Djokovic on Friday night? Were you one of the however many people buying them within 58 minutes? No, I was not. But no. that, that was extraordinary. When they, when I saw that pop up yesterday, the, to, to hear that it had sold out in, in that time, that's... That just goes to show that no matter the controversies away from the court, people are interested in seeing both Djokovic and Kyrgios in an exhibition match. Mm. It, it's, a, it's a meaningless match. Oh, well, there's a charity associated mm. with t- ticket sales, so mm. it's not completely meaningless. But in terms of on-court action, it, it doesn't mean anything. No. And yet people want to see them compete. Yeah. They do. 58 I can't believe it. I mean, they were only $20, which is a good price. But, that, yeah, unbelievable. But a lot of the stories around it, and I look, I'll say openly, I love the Australian Open. Really looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Don't know how I'm going to quite juggle staying up late to watch the matches and getting up at 3.30, but that's my problem. Um, the chances of it ever being moved outside of January. Now, we know we had an Australian Open in February a couple of years ago due to COVID situation. And I thought then, Maddie, it lost it was still a good tournament but it lost a bit of its shine being played in the middle of february when sort of the attention had gone towards the football codes beginning in just a few weeks after that but there is a lot of people saying that potentially it should be moved outside of january now craig tyler has said no that will not be happening what are your thoughts on it? Because you're there in Melbourne. You're going to be there over the next couple of weeks. You know how it transforms the city. Do you ever see it being moved outside of that January period? I reckon the only way it moves from being outside January if it was to ever move away from Melbourne Park. Mm. I don't see it changing its time slot while it's being hosted here in Victoria and how long that is for. I know there's been some speculation of, about Craig Tolley making some comments, I think, prior to Christmas about interest from not only other capital cities, mm. but other cities in the Asia-Pacific region hoping to, to get a bite of the cherry. Mm. I don't I don't see it changing its time slot, and I, to be perfectly honest, given the infrastructure and that has gone into the precinct, not just the courts themselves, but the precinct over the last five years. I don't see it changing any time soon because the other factor in this equation, and Craig actually mentioned it in, in the same comments the other day, the, the fact that the schedule is so tight to manoeuvre, even when COVID occurred a couple of years ago and mm. we did have to push it back, mm. it, it caused all sorts of ramifications for all the tournaments post the event and for players competing in other areas of the world, there just has this knock on effect. So unless that element changes, which I don't think it will, I don't see the Australian open changing. And I know every, every year we seem to have this conversation. Oh, it's too hot. It's the middle of summer. It's, but that's part of the tournament. It is. That's, that's the reason you compete. Mm. If you've got to push yourself to the limit in extreme circumstances, unfortunately, that's what you're signing up for to try and win the thing. And, and the players are very aware of how hot it can get, especially on Rod Laver Arena. It's uh, 69 degrees it was on Rod Laver Arena in a match in 2018. There is a roof on uh, Rod Laver and there is a heat rule. But you're right, they play they know what they're going to experience it's it's look it's the same when it's played in Wimbledon in the middle of the year now maybe not the heat might not be that hot but it still gets warm over there it is a 
I wouldn't say a summer sport, but there's a lot of sports, uh, a lot of tournaments that are played in summer in tennis. I don't see it being moved. And as I said, Maddie, I was in Melbourne a couple of years ago when it was played in February and it just didn't have that same feel. And you're 100% right. I can't really see it being moved to another state, another country. When you see how much work gets done and that whole precinct around the Rod Laver area, Rod Laver Arena area, it's just fantastic. It is, it's a really good two weeks of sport in Melbourne and it really captures the whole nation as well. It does. It does. And the vibe that particularly, I think for this year, given it's the first uncompromised tournament mm. for a few years, given all the COVID restrictions in recent years, I think the, the vibe around the city over the next couple of weeks is going to be absolutely fantastic. Looking forward to hearing all about it over the next couple of weeks when we chat. I'm sure there's going to be some interesting results. It's going to be another roller coaster tournament, I'm sure. Well, that's actually one thing I haven't uh, yet told you. You'll yeah. be uh, speaking oh, to no. someone else over the next couple of well, weeks. Hang uh, on, where, where are you going? Yeah. Uh, that's it for our cross this oh, morning. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to chat with you, Dan. It's disappointing going on a holiday. <laughs> uh, just a bit of time off. Yeah, well, well, well deserved, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> oh, says the bloke who was missing for half a year. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, can you can you let me know uh, off air who I'm going to be speaking to, just so I can get? Oh, we'll see. You. If you can move the Sydney test, we'll, we'll, we'll might, we might be able to work something out for you. I'll see what I can do. Speak soon, Matt. Enjoy your break. <laughs> Good on you, Dan. Uh, yes, Matty Cox in Melbourne, who it appears we won't be speaking to uh, next week, but we might speak to whoever is filling in for him, and I have no idea who that is. Uh, 1300 01 1170, the open line number. You can text 0457 736 736. Apologies for not getting to the text. I will do uh, after the break. There are a few of them uh, there. But, yeah, on the back of the Australian Open chat, on the back of Nick Kyrgios and Novak Djokovic selling out within 58 minutes for this exhibition match, uh, where the proceeds are going to the Australian Tennis Foundation on Friday. What would be your ultimate sporting matchup? Now, it can be a realistic one or one that just can never happen, but one you'd love to see. Maybe players from a different era, teams from a different era. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Your thoughts on what we're talking about with Matty Cox there, the Australian Open ever moving out of that January time frame on a permanent basis? I just don't see it uh, happening. Uh, got a text here about the Melbourne victory situation. I'll get to that in a second as well. And Ashton Agar, would he be your second pick to be bowling with Nathan Lyon in that first test on the 9th of February in India? 0457 736 736 1300 01 1170. Back with your text and also a bit of NRL news in just a second. It is 25 and a half to 6, 25 and a half to 5 in Queensland. Going to play you uh, some audio from Glenn Maxwell in just a second. Uh, but before, let's go to the text. For Makita this season, Makita is helping you rule the outdoors. 0457 736 736. Call the open line anytime. 1300 01 1170. Asking you about your ultimate sporting matchups uh, this morning on the back of Kyrgios and Djokovic selling out within 58 minutes. Can be real. Could realistically happen. Maybe never happen. This from Dan Padstow. Good morning to you. He says, good morning. A couple of matchups that would be great, I think. Uh, Shane Warne bowling to Don Bradman and Mike Tyson taking on Muhammad Ali. Dan at Padstow. Yeah, Shane Warne up against Don Bradman would have been very, very interesting. Obviously, it would never happen, but would have been very, very interesting. Who, who would have won that battle, do you reckon? Um, Shane Warne, one of the best, if not the best, spin bowlers of all time. And um, Don Bradman, the best batsman of all time. Who would have won that battle? 
What do you reckon? 0457 736 736. Good text, Dan. Uh, Yeovil Treeman says, hi, Dan. Uh, some fantasy, well, it's on the sim the line, actually. Some fantasy sporting matchups. Muhammad Ali versus Mike Tyson. A one-on-one between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Yes, I know a lot of people would like to see that. He also says Shane Warne bowling to Dodd Bradman. Rod Laver versus any of Federer, Djokovic, or Rafa. That from the Yeovil Treeman. Yeah, again, uh, we obviously saw Fedra Djokovic and Rafa play each other. We may well see Djokovic and Rafa play each other in the next coming uh, couple of weeks in the Australian Open. But yeah, Rod Laver playing any of them would have been very interesting. Another one where you sort of wonder who would have won because there's all this talk about is Roger, is Novak, is Rafa uh, the best tennis player of all time. But then you talk about Rod Laver and what he achieved. Interesting. Uh, good text there, uh, Yeovil Treeman. Um, and this one as well on the back of the tech, uh, the chat I had with Matty Cox surrounding Melbourne victory and the sanctions handed out yesterday after what happened a few weeks ago down in Melbourne now. I don't particularly agree with this text, but uh, you're allowed your opinion. Hey, they go, morning, gents. Uh, what do you expect from a game that is so frustrating and goes end-to-end with hardly any scoring and players that should be nominated for acting awards? Uh, this crowd stuff happens everywhere overseas. Thank God for NRL. Have a great day. That one from Hillstorm Hillary in Gippsland, Victoria. Good to have your company in Victoria. Um, I know it does frustrate people when they do watch a football match. And I have to say, I as I've mentioned it a few times, I was over uh, in the UK for the Football World Cup. And it was interesting watching it with all sorts of different people, um, people that would watch it at the Premier League each and every week. Um, ran into actually someone from Melbourne and watched one of the games with them. Um, the, 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 the diving um, and staying down injured does frustrate people a lot. But I would say, you look at that World Cup final and you look at some of the other matches during the Football World Cup, but the World Cup final, I'll use an example, that's one of the best sports games I've ever seen. So, yes, it does frustrate people. Um, but it is the number one sport in the world and it, has to be the number one sport for a reason. But the stuff that happened uh, in Melbourne the other week, uh, in that Melbourne victory, Melbourne City game, and I do appreciate where you're coming from, Hillstorm, uh, Hillstorm Hillary, in terms of uh, the, the diving that does happen in football that really does need to be stamped out. And I have to say, when you watch the Premier League, you don't see it as much as you do in internationals. And I'm not entirely sure the reasoning uh, for that. Uh, people that know the game much better than me would probably be able to explain it. We may ask John Gallo on Friday, but I understand your point. But a good game of football, like any other game, uh, any other sport, is very good to watch. But, uh, yes, the NRL definitely more free-flowing, although it does tend to creep into there as well a bit. Thank you, Hillstorm Hillary. Hope to have your company right throughout 2023. Um, of course, I imagine you're a Melbourne Storm fan as well. I think in for another Big year. I don't know uh, if it's going to be as successful as some of the other years, but you can never write off uh, the Melbourne Storm. Thank you for those texts. Keep them coming in 0457 736 736 or 1300 01170. Your ultimate sporting matchups. Uh, response to Hillstorm, Hillary's text, or anything else, 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 1170. Now, Glenn Maxwell, he was on Fox Cricket last night. Now, we know he's uh, recovering from an injury. We're unsure whether he's going to be coming back 
uh, and being named in the tour for India, which uh, the squad gets named a little later on today. But he revealed on Fault Cricket the extent of what he had to do to get back from injury. Interesting piece of audio. Let's have a listen to him explaining it on Fox Cricket last night. Um, I went through, I suppose, all sorts of thoughts and um, I, tr I tried to turn it around in, into ultra positives. I, I did a few few um, video calls and uh, talked to a bunch of people and, um, and and just tried to put it into a positive. And as soon as I could start to move and, I suppose, walk a little bit, um, every day I was making progress. I was, I was basically just holding on to the fact that I was making progress and um, every day was getting better and better and then... I started sort of looking forward, thinking, you know what, I'm going to make this recovery the best possible recovery possible. I'm going to come back early. I'm going to come back and I'm going to be stronger than ever. And I started to try and use it as a motivation factor instead of, oh, no, why has this happened to me? I tried to turn it around and think, how can I, f I suppose, finish the back end of my career and be the fittest I've been, healthiest and, and I suppose, most motivated. I had, obviously, the, the Test Tour of India coming up. Um, I was super motivated to to get myself ready for that and whether or not I'm on that is uh, only time will tell but um, I've, I've done everything in my power to try and get ready for it and, and get myself back playing so there's still a fair way to go and um, I'm really proud of how much work I've put in uh, day and night I've had a lot of sleepless nights icing and, and trying to get myself ready nights sleeping on the couch with pillows all around my foot and ice packs um, shoved into my boot and um, basically icing through the night and just to just to make sure I could get the swelling down so I did that for probably the first three and a half four weeks um, after the surgery and um, and yeah since then I've been um, basically sitting on the couch and um, in a game ready machine which is a nice uh, compression machine which I've been using three to four hours pretty much every night since then so yeah I had to teach myself how to walk which was um, pretty, pretty bizarre because the, um, the actual joint was so uh, swollen and tight that um, it was basically just like having two blocks of wood nailed together so there was no real movement no flexion at all and uh, so I had to sort of teach myself how to get the courage to walk forward over the top of my foot and Jeez. go heel to toe and um, being in a pool and doing all that sort of rehab has been um, really helpful. Yeah, Glenn Maxwell, part of Fox Cricket last night. Interesting to hear what he had to say. Whether he gets named in that Indian squad or not, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, probably not likely, but we'll wait and see. But uh, amazing uh, to get back uh, from that injury. Just on the Big Bash last night as well for Isuzu. Live your own way in the powerful Isuzu D-Max. Visit your local Isuzu Ute dealer today. Uh, batting masterclass in a third straight half century from star batter Chris Lynn inspired the strikers to another 200-plus uh, run total before a disciplined bowling effort saw Adelaide see off the Melbourne Renegades at the Adelaide Oval. After scores of 87 and 64 against the Hurricanes in the previous two matches, Lynn on Tuesday night uh, conjured last night, conjured a powerful yet controlled 69 not out. Uh, which helped the Strikers to four for 202, which was their equal third highest score in their BBL uh, history. They ended up winning the game, as I say, four for 202. The Renegades are only able to get, uh, they batted the 20 overs, but only able to get 182 runs. So well done to Chris Lynn and the Adelaide Strikers. The Big Bash continues tonight at 7.40 p.m. Uh, Sydney time, 6.40 p.m. Queensland time, when the Brisbane Heat will take on the Perth Scorchers.
one 1170 the open line number, or 0457-736-736. Now, a bit of news surrounding the Dragons at the moment. Looks like Jaden Sullivan, who wanted out of the Dragons uh, just a few months ago, may well be playing 5-8th uh, this year. And now he's 21 years of age. He was heavily linked to a move uh, with the Canterbury Bulldogs before withdrawing his release request. And uh, now uh, a big chance to be playing in the harms for uh, the Dragons. Uh, utility, uh, Moses Embi said of uh, Jaden Sullivan, if called upon, I'm sure he would do a really good job for us. And I think Sullivan is ready to play first grade. He got a taste of it last year and the year before, and he did a really good job for us. So it's going to be interesting to see if Jaden Sullivan is the 5'8 for the Dragons at the beginning of the year. Meanwhile, uh, their other one of their other stars, Zach Lomax, who... A very up and down season, well, down and up last year, has reflected uh, on the big learning moment in his career uh, following an incident with former teammate Tyson Frizzell, uh, which Vossi uh, labelled absolute rubbish. Uh, we remember, if you remember last year, uh, back in round six, I think it was the Easter weekend, the 23-year-old jumped on the back of the Newcastle back row while celebrating a try. Uh, now, Lomax has reflected on that moment and says if he had his time again, he wouldn't have pulled one of his good mates into the controversial try celebration. He said, uh, Frizzell is one of my good mates, and I debuted beside him. I had been locker buddies with him since I first came, in, first came into first grade. I love Frizzell, and I respect him so highly. I think what he has done in the game, I love him, and he's a really good family man as well. I've spoken about it a million times now, but as I said, you live and learn. It wasn't coming from any ill intent. Intent. It's just the way you learn and the way it was perceived. You look at it and you just won't do it again. But that's footy, mate. We know the Dragons haven't featured in finals footy since 2018. Do we see them being back in finals this year? I know we'll, we'll do a lot of season previews uh, throughout February in the lead up to the season kickoff in March. I think they're going to struggle again this year, the Dragons. Um, they've got a you know decent lineup, but I just don't think you look at a lot of the other sides. I just don't think uh, they're in one of the best eight lineups in the competition. But we'll wait and see. 0457-736-736, the text number. You can call the open line, one 1170 Back with more of your text to wrap things up in a second. A bit of news surrounding Mitchell Moses as well. We'll get to that in a moment. It is 10 minutes to 6 in New South Wales, 10 to 5 in Queensland. This is Tradies News in a nutshell. Uh, Parramatta will meet with uh, Mitchell Moses' management this week as the three-way fight for the halfback signature re reaches a crucial juncture. And now we know the West Tigers, along with Canterbury, have uh, shown a lot of interest in Mitchell Moses. Uh, the West Tigers, around $1.3 a season offering, apparently. The Bulldogs, $1.2. Parramatta offered a little more than $1 million to retain the man who led the Eels to their first grand final since 2009. Uh, due to meet with Parramatta Eels officials this week. G Parramatta will be hoping that they can hold on uh, to Mitchell Moses. Thanks for your text this morning. Enjoyed the varying different opinions. Always uh, welcome. We'll finish off with this one. Hi, Dan. I'd like to see a wrist spinner as a second choice for India. In my opinion, Adam Zampa is the best at that, but can't see him being picked. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Zampa is in the squad, but it doesn't look likely, does it? Thank you for all the texts. Keep them coming in for James Magnuson and Michael Carianis. A-League last night, Perth Glory 2 defeated the Brisbane Raw 1. Perth Glory 2, Brisbane Raw 1. Coming up after the news at 6 o'clock with James Magnuson and Michael Carianis. They'll be joined by Sydney Thunder player Brendan Doggett and Brett Phillips will have the latest on the tennis in the lead-up to the Australian Open. Thanks for your company today. News is up next. Then it'll be breakfast with James Magnuson, Michael 
Michael Karianis. I'll catch you tomorrow morning from 5am. Have a great Wednesday.